Hi, this is Little Anthony here, and you're listening to Jim and Mike Talk Music. Or should I say Musica? special guest with us today. He's a singer and member of the singing group, The Imperials. Over the years, he's had the pleasure of knowing Elvis, Buddy Holly, Red Fox, and Mary Wilson, to name a few. In 2009, The Imperials were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame by no other than the great Smokey Robinson. Let's welcome the Jim and Mike Talk Music, Jerome Gordine otherwise known as Little Anthony. <laughs> and the crowd goes wild. They hey. always go wild. <laughs> we got a crowd here somewhere. Do we call you Jerome, Anthony? Uh, you, can Little- call, you can call me Jerome. You can call me Anthony. You can call me, but you doesn't have to call me Little. <laughs> okay, okay, we won't do that. <laughs> you can call me Anthony. That's good. We'll do okay. Anthony. Yeah. So you were probably that called works. Little because you started, when you started, you were Little. Is that is that where it came? Well, actually, no. And let me let me um, let me set the record straight on that. That had nothing to do with my stature, my okay. size at all. Because I'm actually five eight and a half. At least I was two mm-hmm. months ago. You're taller than me. A little That's bit older. I'm five eight. So um, it was uh, the late great Alan Freed, the father they call the father of rock and roll, in 1958. That the the legend says that one of the record promoters came in his office. And to, to present the record, Tears of My Pillow, by the way, was the first big hit mm-hmm. we had. And he heard it and he says, wow, boy, that, that girl sure can sing. <laughs> and, uh, and the record promoter said, uh, that's not a girl, uh, that's a guy. And he said, really? He must be awfully little. Really? There was wow. the beginning of Little yeah. Anthony. And the rest yeah. is legend. Yeah, so it's an assumption there, yeah. Yep. Wow. So, yeah, and then and he, they ran and they, they, we, the, I had people actually bought me the original printing of Tears of My Pillow. It was just the Imperials. Yeah. They had to redo everything and within two hours <laughs> because when Alan Freed said something, that was it. So he said, Little Anthony and the Imperials, and they uh, did the whole new thing on it, and that was it. So I noticed your uh, New York hat. So you must be in New York. You're from New York. No, I'm not. I'm no. from Brooklyn, yeah, yeah. Sometimes okay. I try to get way to the broke. The broke sneaks in now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I lived out here in Florida like everybody. Doesn't everybody live in oh. Florida? <laughs> they, oh, really? They, they all keep we'll, we'll be heading uh, there later. We're, we're busy Florida. there later. <laughs> Check, yeah, yeah. I live in Florida. Yeah, yeah. The, I live in Florida in Boca Raton. Oh. And, um, yeah, so, but originally I'm from Brooklyn, and I lived, I was sort of a vagabond of life. I lived in a few places. I lived in New York for 30 years or so. And then I moved to California, and I lived there for 32 years. And then I moved to Las Vegas, and I lived there for 13 years. And then I moved here, which is, that's it, because I ain't got a whole lot of years to be moving. So, <laughs> this there's, is it. There's a lot of years you know, right this there. Where all, this is where all your senior citizens come anyway. You know, <laughs> so here I am. <laughs> Let's go back to the beginning. So when did you start singing professionally? How old were you? Uh, my mother... My mother tells me stories, you know, 
My mother was one of the grails in my family. She said that I began to sing when I was about three years old, sang in the hospital. Hmm. When I was a little boy, I had problems with my back. In fact, I've always had problems with my back. That's another story. I just had surgery on it. But then I was three years old, and they were checking me out, and they said at nighttime I would stand in my crib and sing. And I would sing this song that what I knew of it at three years old from Annie Get Your Gun. I think it was mm-hmm. uh, from that famous play and movie, Annie Oakley. Yeah. And in yeah. that movie, there was a song that says, lay, lay that pistol down, lay, lay something like that. And she said, I didn't know the words. The nurses told my mother, so I kept saying, lay that pistol down, lay, lay that pistol down, lay that pistol over down, lay, lay that all night long. <laughs> he over and over and the kids. And my mother knew that he's a singer because my mom is a singer. So it's genetic, I think. And my great grandfather was a great singer, they said. So music is a way of life in, in my mother's side of the family and on my father's side of the family were mostly musicians. My dad was um, played with the big bands of the 30s and 40s, you know, some of the big ones, Buddy Johnson's orchestra, all that. So I was, and my mother's gospel singer. And so I was exposed to music for a very long time. So that's Mm -hmm. really making Mm -hmm. a long story longer. Um, Mm -hmm. That's what, three years old. So officially, yes, since I was three years old. Yeah, your mother was singing gospel uh, in worship services at church, or is she singing professionally as well out out in the she clubs. sang professionally and worship yeah worship services mm-hmm. at church because I remember as a little boy yeah, she would take me everywhere because you know she didn't have the resources to get babysitters in those days mm-hmm. yeah. so she would take me and I remember seeing my mother singing she was soprano and she sang with my aunts my uh, her sisters and they, they were called the Nazareth Baptist Singers yeah and I used to sit there and watch the watch them sing in all the different churches. So, you know, and the fact that I, as three years old, started doing that and then they exposed to me that, to that, uh, by the grace of God. I tell people when they ask me sometimes, where, where did your voice come from? How do you do that, man? I mean, like your age. I said, because it's not natural. It's supernatural. It's a yeah. gift. Yeah. And it's a godly gift. Yeah. And, um, and so I, it amazes me. I mean, today... I will sit and vocalize while I'll be on stage when I was on stage after this pandemic. Um, I would hit notes and do things and go, wow, where did that come from? Yeah. And and the odd thing about it is that I'm not the first person that that's happened to. I've heard stories from sports people like um, uh, uh, Michael Jordan once said he made the most phenomenal shot. And it was actually, it was recorded on TV and tape and I've seen it. He made the shot was unbelievable. And he turned around and he looked at everybody and go, what, what was that? Where'd that, where'd that <laughs> come from? Yeah. It's like yeah. perfection, well, it's right? It's like perfection, like yeah, for that shot. You know that there's something above you. You know there's mm-hmm. something much more than you because this is not chance, luck, whatever you want to call it. Something's yeah. going on here. I'm doing it, but everybody does it. But why does mm-hmm. my shot keep going in? Well, that's the same way with me as a singer. And I'm sure with Smokey Robinson and a lot of other singers that are been successful we all kind of know that mm-hmm. that what we have is a gift it's just uniquely a gift michael jackson oh wonderful you just know a and you go on and on the sammy davis and on and on all the greats frank sinatra mm-hmm. there's something look at tony bennett yeah you know and i talked to tony you know he says man we're the last of the tenors <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eight minutes left. Yeah, he's <laughs> so, one of the he's one of the last crooners. 
And yeah. he's one of the last crooners and yeah, think, uh, of um, that era. Paul Anka. And I think that me and, Smokey, me and Smokey are the last crooners of this hour yeah. era. Mm-hmm. There's not much crooners left that, that are still, still yeah, I mean, here. Paul Anka is still around, stuff. but I don't know what era. Yeah, I work with Paul. Yeah, yeah I work okay. with Paul and... Yeah. A couple of years ago, we did a cruise together. Uh, he did a concert or so. I know mm. Paul from the beginning. I met him okay. very young, yeah. What's that like on a cruise? Uh, something you want to do again? Or does, is it, uh, is it more, more fun or more work? <laughs> hey, no, 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 no. That's fun. That's ridiculous. They pay you to get on the ship. <laughs> and you only do two shows. Maybe sometimes mm-hmm. one. one. They call it one up and one down. Or you do uh-huh. two. Uh, the first did a seating and the second did a seating. But the rest of the week, man. Relax. Yeah, Take man. it easy. You just, what do you do? You're a captured audience yourself. Where are you going to go? In the ocean? You got yeah. nowhere to go when you're out to sea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's it. You're forced to relax, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and allow them to pamper you. Now, mm-hmm. cruises are real good. Going on the first cruise going out in November on the uh, malt shop cruise coming up mm-hmm. out of November. That's the time light. Cruise have been doing it for okay. 10 years, one of the most successful cruises of its kind. And we got a bunch of people on there. In fact, I wasn't supposed to be on there, but uh, they called me up and asked me to take Mary Wilson's place. Oh, yeah. Because she was scheduled to be on that. And they got Gladys Knight on there and a bunch of people, the I Righteous Brothers. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm grabbing things yeah. over, my, over my mind. Jane Americans, uh, mm-hmm. people like that. And um, they called me to come in, and I'm actually going as as a as a solo artist because it's last minute. We're not gonna, I'm mm-hmm. not bringing the group or anything like that. It's just me okay. doing a segment, and that's sort of to cover what she did. I've been very successful on the cruises. I've been going out with Time Life now for 12 years, 10 or 12, well, mm-hmm. 11 years now. So they always call me every other year. I'll go on that cruise, but they asked me to do it this year mm-hmm. because uh, after the pandemic, you know, they wanted everything to be wonderful. And that happened. And, you know, the fans were like really stunned. And so they said, hey, you the guy that can come in and cover that and people will be at peace. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The Lampy's here. Yeah. yeah. Now that they, they use the same band. Yeah. They, yeah. It's the same orchestra. Mm-hmm. Um, um, when Paul Anker came, they brought on the ship like 32 pieces. <laughs> wow. Islands and everything. The extra and 32 pieces. Yeah. <laughs> I, use, um, I use something like, on stage about 11, I have, well, I bring, I'll bring six. We have, they have singers that are already on the ship, one of the really great sing, uh, backup groups that mm-hmm. we send all that information. My, my conductor talks with them. Then we have okay. rehearsals when we get on the ship. So they'll be the, the ones that'll be backing up. They're called the Chicklets, young ladies. Mm-hmm. So they'll be doing all the background <laughs> work, you know. So, and then I have a four or five, I have eight piece horn section. Plus a rhythm section, wow. plus two keyboards and a lead piano, so it's it's pretty intense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would that would be a great experience live. Yeah, yeah. that would be cool. It is, yeah. For mm-hmm. me, it's it's really great because these people, I'm no better than the people that back me up. It really does. It's a support system that any singer is honest with themselves. They need stupid me going out there singing by myself. You know, it would work. <laughs> yeah, I could put it off though, but it would work. <laughs> So back to the fifties, like in the mid fifties, you were, you were a teen. Yeah. Well, you know, be, before rock and roll, you know, there were blues, jazz, country, swing, big band. But what, what were your first impressions of rock and roll? This thing called rock and roll. Well, rock and roll is just a, it's a term. 
Okay. That was termed by, by Alan Freed. Oh, okay. Really, it's rhythm and blues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I tell people, it was rhythm and blues. It was always rhythm and blues. From the mm-hmm. beginning, it was gospel, or spiritual music. And then spiritual music gave birth to the jazz and to uh, Dixieland and then um, uh, all kinds of different sounds of jazz coming up. And then, then it went into the big bands. It gave birth to the R&B. R&B then is the father and mother of rock and roll. It's just more aggressive somehow. It's just, or it's just each generation has their own um, thing going. If, yeah. if you're an aficionado, one of the days I'm going to say that right, how do you say that? Inficionado. Aficionado. Aficionado. I'm glad you said it. <laughs> Not me. You said it. And that's what I wanted to say. Uh-huh. Um, um, they, they will study. They studied that and they, they, they were amazed at how how things are, how the music has uh, uh, moved from one genre to another. In other words, down what, what is it? Rock and roll then gave birth to hip hop. But in the beginning, the first time backbeat, the backbeat of the drum became more prevalent. It's the backbeat of the drum began to happen in the twenties in Dixieland. Mm-hmm. You know what all the horns mm-hmm. are doing. Fighting against each other, not fighting against it's 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 it's, it's organized chaos, really. Yeah, yeah. And and it's doing all that stuff, and and that drum back's going pop, pop. Well, that was the first time it really showed up because prior to that, it was more like um, you know uh, uh, 40s type thing, you know, swing music, mm-hmm. which usually the drummer would you know, do a lot of uh, impro- improvising or he use brushes, but it was it was really coming into a point where you start hearing. You know, mm-hmm. keeping the rhythm that forced kids to be able to dance and hold their rhythm. Mm-hmm. Even if there's kids that really don't know how to dance, if mm-hmm. they can understand the beat <laughs> and stay on that, they tend to, you know, they may look a little weird, but they're moving, they're doing yeah. it. And that mm-hmm. created something uniquely different yeah. that really began to grow until the, the kids in the 50s picked it up. And then, of course, then Dick Clark came along and then you start seeing mm-hmm. the Dick Clark show and the kids doing the stroll and 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 all through all of that, this is what you hear in the background. Yeah. So your fans, oh. your listeners are are moving, not just listening, not sitting there listening to the yeah. orchestra. You know, they're they're actually yeah, standing, like moving like while I, they're I'm, listening. Yes, absolutely. I'm a I'm a, I'm a great uh, classical music fan and opera fan. Believe it. I, mm-hmm. That's a long story. I do love mm-hmm. opera, and I I'm trying to get to in Italy, go to La Scala, and listen to some opera. It's, it's deep. <laughs> I'm just an opera fan. Mm-hmm. And there you listen. You're listening to the melody and the harmonics. And the, and the, and the movement of the music is uh, like the waves on the ocean. It's just very gentle. Mm-hmm. And, but then you, take, and you go from that and you go to rock and roll. And it's just the opposite. It's, it's like a storm. Mm-hmm. It's like <laughs> it's a hurricane. Bow, boom, bam. Mm-hmm. And the, the amazing thing about it is Pavarotti loved it. Uh, Luciano Parati mm-hmm. loved it. He did a lot of things. He did a thing with uh, James Brown. I didn't know quite that. Quite a few other. The, yes, he did. Uh, you mm-hmm. can probably Google it. And the concert he did with James Brown, they did the song, the James Brown, It's a Man's World. Yeah. They did a duet together. It was the most fascinating thing I have ever heard in my entire career. This opera singer singing. And he was so effective because he was singing within his genre. Mm-hmm. And James was singing within his thing. But... <laughs> They really were the same thing, you know? yeah. and it was just absolutely marvelous. So, like I said, when you're listening to 
music, to, the, the music that makes us get up and dance is really because of the beat. The beat originally comes from Aborigines, all come from Africa, or comes from places where the drum was, was, was the main instrument. Probably the very first instrument man ever messed with. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, right. I don't know that. Yeah. Yeah, beating Goat on skin something. Goat strapped around a, a carved out piece of wood, right? When you yeah. look back at the music in Europe, uh, you know, so many centuries ago, right, you have all these yes. strings, but you don't, you don't have that percussion. You don't have that interesting and driving percussion. Well, actually, you do. Actually, you do. If you listen to the music out of Ireland, mm-hmm. they did. The we Baran, the yeah. Your body wants to go with right. it, you see. So yeah. the drum, really, I think, was the first mm-hmm. instrument ever was. When, you, when we're looking back at the 50s, uh, especially I'm thinking of that, we had at that time a racial segregation and a lot of stuff was going on there. But at the same time, I think that the musicians were breaking through first. I mean, I not think, I know that they were breaking through ahead of the, the current predominant culture. Uh, what are you, yeah, anything to talk about there in the, say in the 50s? Well, even in the 50s, actually it's arts is the arts. It mm-hmm. always is the, is the forefront of breaking through any kind of a relationship between yeah. peoples. Right. Whether it be plays, Shakespeare, mm-hmm. or, or whatever it may be, George, George Bernard Shaw, and on and on and on and on. Vis- the visual and arts. Music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that sort of draws people, you know, even if you have differences, you, you, you are attracted. Both of you now have something in common, you're attracted. Mm-hmm. So the music, and, the, and it's the same, same thing happened in the, in, the, in the 50s, and I was coming up. And it was uh, not a wonderful time if you were black. No, mm-hmm. it wasn't, especially in the South. Um, but it was the one thing that God has given us. And you, you always hear me talking about this God. Well, I don't, I don't stand in and tell anybody what they, whatever. But as far as I'm concerned, yes, he exists. And he, and, and he has created a situation with us, these little avenues that bring us together. And music is one of those things, you know? Mm-hmm. And in the 50s, man, that's how it was. Even in racial, racial, racial relations, especially in the South, were horrible. And because I went down there, my mother originally was from the South, and my dad, mom from Savannah, Georgia, my mom, my dad was from Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah. So they came up with the real brunt of the horror. Yeah, and, and they, they know, they know all that history. Then, yeah, they do. They try to tell us, listen, when you go down there, this is what you have to do in order to survive. Because I actually went down, my first time was in 1958, and we had tears in my pillow out. I never, mm-hmm. I never got far as Jersey up to that point. And next thing I know, I'm on a tour with, with Sam Cooke and a bunch of thousand mm-hmm. other greats, and right. we're, doing, we're touring all over the country, including the South, which were segregated audiences mm-hmm. in most instances and all of that. So I was introduced to something that was just, it was like throwing cold water on me, man. You know, whoa! Yeah. You know, this culture, what, 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 what? And then I remember my mother and father always taught me, this is what you got to expect. Mm-hmm. Because I actually called my mother crying once because I ended up in a in place in the Richmond, Virginia, because there were segregated hotels and everything. We couldn't stay at any of the nice places, but we had all the money we needed to do that. But we didn't, we couldn't. And so we had to stay at guest houses and stuff. And we stayed at this little dinky hotel on the other side of the tracks, as they say. And I can remember vividly a light hanging over my head. It was all I had. 
And the bed had one of those things where you put a quarter in and then the, the bed would shake and get yeah, a massage yeah. or something. <laughs> we, we, and they had remember the vibrating guys, beds, yeah. I don't know what that was for, actually, but, you know, put you to sleep or something yeah. else. I don't know. And they had a, and they had a radio. If you want to listen to music, you had to put a quarter in the radio. <laughs> wow. And here I'm in this, this terrible room with a light hanging over me, a bulb, and I'm, I, don't live, I don't live like this. Yeah. yeah. And I cried. And I remember that I called my mother in tears. I can't, I can't say, I can't, I'm coming home, Mom. I can't do this. So you were this like 17, horrible. 18 Not years knowing old. that I was, yeah, I was 17. Okay. Not knowing that I was eventually going to be in something even worse. And my mother, God bless her, and my dad, they, they were the ones that really prompted me up, one, by my faith. And two, I had a support system, a huge That's family. True. And they were all yeah. rooting for me. No, you fight through that. You, you got to do this. It's important yep. that you do this. In fact, like a lot of people who, who met Dr. Martin Luther King, I remember I met him in Atlanta airport back then. And he's, oh, little Anthony. I met him in the, in the hallway mm -hmm. uh, coming between the planes. And we talked. He's, oh, you know, I love that. And I wanted to say, that, oh, sir, I mean, I really, you have been just something. I want to do more. He says, you know what you do? You do what you do. You just keep doing what mm -hmm. you do. Yeah. That's all you bring. Let us do what we do. That's great. Yeah. Use your gift. Yeah. Use your skill and, and get out there. Yes. We're talking yes. about the South. I, I, I grew up here in uh, the Lehigh Valley uh, along with Jim yeah. here. I spent 25 years down in Virginia. You know, Jim, Virginia is just like halfway to the South, right? <laughs> you know, well, it's, yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, today it's, 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 not, it's not like Mississippi, Georgia, Carolinas. Um, no, but no, exactly. th there's still a difference. Yeah, there's still a difference. But when you go back to the 50s or what I experienced, the 70s and the 80s, there's still a big difference. There, even back then, there was a difference between the South well, and the North. I didn't know, know what was going on living here in the North. Well, you know, here's the thing that I found is that I remember when I would go down South, they would have accent. All the white folks' accents, blacks had accents, entirely different mm -hmm. than New York mm -hmm. blacks. Yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. so it was kind of getting used to how they talk. Almost sometimes I couldn't understand. <laughs> we talk in English, but it was, I, mean, it was, I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I think this was New York City English, babe. You know? Yeah. yeah. You know, like, you know, you didn't. You know, that kind <laughs> of thing. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, you'd have to learn how to talk to How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? That, that was my English. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out what they're talking, what they're, what they're doing. But in the years went by, and as the technologies and things grew, and then industries starting to move from the north to the south. Mm -hmm. Well, when the industry started going south, this, this, that's why they called it the New South, because it was beginning to bring in people from other parts of the country now live in the south. So whether they interbreed or marry or do what they do, they're broke because if you you if anybody notices this, that southern brogue is almost gone. I, I'm amazed when I go and I go, wait a minute. Everybody's talking like me. <laughs> what happened to the what yeah, happened to the southern a, accent? Just the blending, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, if you I go to Mississippi, you go to Alabama, you it's like being in uh, Michigan now. Now. <laughs> and that's a fact. Because I travel all over this world. I'm constantly out here. And I'm in there and I noticed this. It's it's a remarkable thing, but it, it's really the New South. It's not what it was then. Then I was in the struggle, you know, and a lot of people don't know that, but I was, me and a bunch of other people, we were in the struggle. 
whether we wanted to be or not, we were in the struggle. And I can truthfully say, boy, we haven't maybe haven't gotten there yet, but we've come a long way. I want to talk about your song, Tears on My Pillow. This went to number yeah. four. So it's sad. You, know, you had this top 10 hit and you still had to endure with segregation. I mean, but you're, you're like being... my mom said, it's your job. Yeah, that's your job. It's your job. I mean, what yeah. you do? Um, I mean, you sold a million you copies. The best of your that song sold a million it copies. It did. It sold, it yeah. sold millions. Yeah. It did. And, and yeah. well, listen, it's an odd thing about how stupid segregation is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the people that were segregated still wanted to be the same for them. Mm-hmm. They liked the music. Yeah. They liked the people that were oh, singing yeah. it. And they could somehow in their little pea minds, they've separated. <laughs> hey, man, you're, you're smacking my brother and sister in the face, and, you, and you're mm-hmm. looking at me like, but you're different. Yeah. No, yeah. Not. It's, no, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. That's, you know, it's still because senseless. Because if you didn't know who I was, I could walk into a, a, a Woolworths in those days. Woolworths is a big place to go. Yeah, yeah I remember. And yeah. I had to sit, I couldn't sit at the counter. Wow. Yeah. So it took it took like people like Reverend Luther King and and mm-hmm. and, and and Malcolm X and all these different people that came in right. leaders that came in and began to show us and them mm-hmm. you you know the thing about the men you can't change the morals of man only the man's heart can be changed and only man the only one that can change the man's heart is God Jesus Himself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because we can't do it. If you don't believe that, you just look at the world the way the world is today. I will tell you that I have seen so many people so scared and so so depressed and so hey, right. I don't want to go. And I keep saying it's well, been no, a, it's to, been a really rough to go through that. Yeah, and there's been there's, yeah, I mean, all over the world. So much going I mean, I'm on. talking yeah. to my friends in England and mm-hmm. France and people I know, and they oh, and I try to calm them down and with yeah. reason. And I said, why are you so afraid? Then I find out because they don't have. An absolute. They don't have a faith. They don't have something they can know is bigger than them. And that mm-hmm. that is sovereign. And that everything is going to come to a conclusion. It's going to work. It's going to come to what God. Don't let anybody kid you. This man, I love, I love, I'm a man. <laughs> and I don't have any answers. You know, it's likes to put the slogans on TV. You know, love this and love that. Well, if you don't understand what love is. First of all, if you don't understand what God's love is, it's very difficult to love anybody. Because we deal with our emotions. Mm-hmm. We're emotional beings. We were designed that way. Not to use our emotions to do things we do, but we still have emotions. And so you get people who are, who are born a certain, not born, but who are exposed to stuff. You know, if you take two babies, you take a white baby, a Chinese, they're three. Any one mm-hmm. of them, put them together, they will play. Right. And they don't understand yeah. anything. All that's taught. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see the birds out there? Look at mm-hmm. the, the nature. God puts a, a, a tapestry for us to see. Mm-hmm. Look how they cooperate with one another. I mean, mm-hmm. I saw a yellow bird in my, just the other day, and the red bird, when they was up on top of a tree together, and they were chirping. <laughs> yeah. And I got to the conclusion right. they were talking to each other. Right. Yeah. And, there's, yeah. and, there's three, know, and, and those three babies you're talking about, they're going to grow up, and they're yeah. going to see that one is black, one's white, and one's brown. And, and, only because, oh, well, and, and there's not a problem with because, it. There's not a problem with it. No, yeah. because as long as they don't have that evil, yeah. there's yeah. another entity in this world, yep. that people know it or not, it is, mm-hmm. and gets in them, then they're going to separate everything. The idea is to separate you from the love of God. That's all it's designed to do. Because if you know you're cool, then you're not going to be all beat up. And yeah, you know what? 
I think Jesus said about anybody, there's going to be tribulation in the world. But dear, good cheer, I've overcome the world. So I'm human. I'm not, I don't know what death wish. I wear my mm -hmm. mask. I do all the things everybody else does. Mm -hmm. But I'm not afraid. Yeah. I'm not to a point where it, it like paralyzes me. That's yeah. good. I That's enjoy good. even doing this talk with you guys. I enjoy yeah. talking mm -hmm. to people. I love doing this stuff. I have a lot of artists <laughs> that like uh, Greta Garbo. They, they, like Greta Garbo, they go around, I want to be alone. I don't want to be alone. <laughs> No, I'm not designed to be alone. So, Anthony, in the big picture, then, uh, your, your faith mm -hmm. and, and the existence of yes. God and, and faith allows you to have no fear now, but also to see, have the hope and to see the bigger picture. Let's, you know, with Black Lives Matter, yes. with all that's going on, it's been a huge yes. year, you yes. know, for Black Lives Matter and, and, and everything. I love to see, well, I love to see all. Uh, all shades, all shades walking it too. Walking, walking. You can it use in. all the cliches. You can use all the cliches you want. Mm -hmm. All lives matter, man. Talk yeah. God concerned. He don't see what he's not dealing with you. You what mm -hmm. you look like. He's dealing with who you are yeah, inside right. you. Right. But what I'm saying is that that hope that, so, that you have. So I understand why people say what they say, but that's not it. Mm -hmm. Everything matters. But the you hope see? that you have that so, allows you to see to to have the hope to see. Yes. That that there is well, still hope for for people yes. of all kinds to well, to love each other. I get my information from the Word of God. It says life is in the tongue. Life and death is in the tongue. You can speak. You can see. You can do all the political crap and run around. Nobody mm -hmm. can help nobody really when it comes down yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah. But you have the ability to <laughs> right. speak life. And what I'm speaking now is life. I'm not speaking. I'm not mad at nobody. Mm -hmm. I'm telling. It comes out of me not because it's a cliche or something I want. Everybody to like me or don't like me because there people don't won't like me. Well, that's life. That's yeah, hard, hard to imagine. That's what's in there. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> no, in I'm, me. I'm speak. That way, I speak life, hope, mm -hmm. because that's who I am. Mm -hmm. I'm not. Well, no, I'm not afraid. I, I know where I'm going when I leave this earth. I'm, I'm just going to go transition to, the, to where, my, where my God is. So I'm not really into that. I try to teach my children that. They hopefully they teach their children that. And we as a community, we do that. We're going to make a little bit of better world. It's going to work better. It, you know, when you start speaking life into people, they're going to act it out. You start speaking mm -hmm. death into people. Oh, the world's coming in. Oh, yeah. my luck is going down the drain. Oh, that's, oh yeah, life yeah. is horrible. Oh, well, that's what it's going to be, my friends. That's mm -hmm. exactly where you are. No, I'd rather speak the other way, like I'm speaking. Yeah. I always say people need to turn off the news, turn off the, you know, and turn on the, turn on music. I do. Listen to, sit I, there hey, and listen to an album and just listen take. to music. Look, what does it say? It says, think of those things that are worthy, that are good, that are trustworthy, that are lovely, that are, Paul said that. You don't, I don't focus on, I know what's going on around me. I'm not yeah. the little, oh, you yeah. know, so, I don't know. I'm affected by it. Yeah, but. But I'm in this. Do you world, let it? I'm not, but you don't I'm let it rule it. your I'm life. Like, like no, no. Yeah. The only thing you know what I'm thinking about right now. I'm my daughter and I, and my grandchildren going to the zoo. That's where my mind is at. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, beautiful. Don't you want to do things you that see, make not, it, I, I don't have an happy. agenda. Yeah, yeah, I don't have an agenda. I don't need to worry about how powerful. It, gentlemen, I know a lot of great performers, entertainers. And a lot of people in the industry and of course who are being a singer, you get to mm -hmm. meet wonderful, wonderful, powerful people, rich. Mm -hmm. And I can truthfully say I've met some 
that are quite at peace with themselves. They understand that even with their yeah. riches. But I've met people who are got everything in the world and the most miserable people in the world. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that was my question. Along with your faith, Anthony, what other musicians uh, can share that, can share those that beautiful time uh, on stage, you know, and sharing your faith? Is there, is there others, you know, who well, you who, know, who have you, who have I, you had you know, some of those experiences know, with? Well, I found out that... Um, I oftentimes would be on stage and singing. And there was a time when we would go outside and sign, you know, sit the guys and I would sit at the table and sign autographs and pictures. Mm -hmm. And I've had people come up to me and, and sometimes people come to me and say, oh, I just see God in you. I didn't tell her anything. I didn't sing any religious song on TV. I didn't sing it on the stage, which I do sometimes. If mm -hmm. it comes over me, I want to do it. I want to feel something's in me to say it. I will, but that's not my, my, my thing is to, to do what I was created to do. And that's to bring a sense of peace for that 90 minute show. That at that one moment, I am taking you out of the world where all the problems are. Mm -hmm. And you can rest on the things that make you feel good. Those things that are lovely. Those things that are good to you. Mm -hmm. uh, memories. Oh, that's when I met my wife. This is when my kid was born. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm designed to do. That's my ministry. But also, when I'm not singing, I'm talking to you guys. Yeah. So I have an opportunity to speak my, my faith. Right, and it's so, so valuable. You, it's so sometimes valuable. when I'm on stage, there's no pattern. There's yeah. really no pattern. It's just, I know when it's time to say something out there, when it's time to just keep doing what I'm doing and go that way, or, okay, somebody's, I sense, you know, maybe I need to say something. Yeah, and that's what's so beautiful beautiful about the podcast. You know, when, when Jim and I do this podcast, we our focus is music, but it can go all these different directions. It can end up in mm -hmm. somebody's, somebody's uh, an, an author writing a book, somebody they're talking about yeah. their family. And, uh, and you know, for you, our listeners are going to hear from this uh, that there's, you know, there is a, a way to combat fear, this fear that's been gripping us, especially for the last yes. one year. Yes, and I pledge to people. <laughs> or four years. Yeah. Okay. Hey, listen, it's, it's a drag. You know what? I had not been in the airport. I told my road manager that she cried laughing. I said, Julie, I, I couldn't believe it. I went to see my grandchildren in, in Seattle, which was difficult as it were because Seattle was such a shutdown, uh, Washington was such a shutdown state. But finally, they, they left some of the restrictions up and then my wife and I decided we were going to go to Seattle. We had to get a test and all of that COVID test mm -hmm. before we went. Some states are really. I'm living in Florida. We are. We're like. We're like the. We're the rebels of the whole country. <laughs> Everybody says, "How can you do that?" Because we do it. That's why we do it. And so I went up there, and I was going to the airport, and I told my wife, "Oh my goodness, I never thought I would miss an airport. I miss being yeah. at the counter." I miss going through the gate. I miss going through security. It's because it's my routine. Yeah, if, yeah, you ever yeah. have baseball players talk about their routine? It's mm -hmm. the same thing. Yeah. You yeah. live, you have a routine. This is what you do, and you get it, and you flow in that. You flow in that rhythm. Mm -hmm. And you and what happens, I found out, and many of us take it for granted. You know, once you take if you're doing something you really enjoy doing. You watch when you can't do it or for whatever reason. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you, you realize how much you miss it. 
Yeah, because you're in that routine. Talking with family, hugging family, that kind of stuff. It's very, very valuable. Just, I, I've been missing it. You know, We've all anything, been missing it. The thing thing about this, I've never seen so many people come together, families come together through this pandemic. Mm-hmm. For what is meant for evil, God said that he means for good. So that it's actually out of this pandemic, there was something good happened. Yeah. It was families and people because they had to come together. They had no choice. Mm-hmm. We're all the same boat, so yeah. to speak. You know? We had to deal and cooperate with one another. We had to, you know, so we were forced into this thing. So the good out of this is that families got closer. Man, I've seen, I've seen more of my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren I haven't seen <laughs> in years. My grandchild just left here. I mm-hmm. mean, like, because I'm here. Yeah, Grandpa, not, my dad is always road. on the road. Right. Yeah. 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 So you probably, you probably and now I'm here. You're out to sea. Well, I think my I think I, I think I think my wife wouldn't want me to go back on the road, but hey, yeah. that's another story. We <laughs> so, don't have time for that one. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I'm like a fish out of water, man. I get in the way, and this is her world. And I get in yeah. the way, but yeah, this is what we us yeah. singers and performers and artists we do. We we take that away from us. Um, and it's weird. Mm-hmm. And, and like yeah. a woman once told me, she says, well, I, I don't see you. How do you feel like being working, working as a lady? I don't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you work. Yeah. I sing. That, yeah. That's yeah. Not and work. you enjoy what yeah. you do. That's not work. The work yeah. is getting to the gig. But once I'm yeah. on that oh, stage. Yeah. yeah. Anthony, that's, you've, that's you've, you've met so many different people um, and, and had uh, rubbed elbows with them, sang with them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, let's. Can you tell us about? I know you met Buddy Holly, which is incredible. Mm-hmm, yeah, Buddy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, what, do you know? Remember what year that was? Because I know he was. Yeah, only that was nineteen fifty-eight. Okay. Nineteen fifty-eight. Yeah, the, I met him at the Hopkins Hotel in Cleveland. Okay. We were doing a in those days called record hops. You guys oh, okay. are too young for that. Those days, <laughs> record hops that? were where you promoted your records. You okay. lip sync. You really didn't sing anything. Yeah. They would put on your record and you lip sync it, but the fact okay. that the kids could see you physically yeah. was a turn on. So places, <laughs> yeah. thousands of people, you know. Yeah. So, which was very easy to say that lip sync your own song. Yeah. So that's why I met him. He was going, I, 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 we were coming in, in the lobby and mm-hmm. I said, oh shoot, that's Buddy Holly. And at the same time he said, oh, that's little Anthony. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we just gravitated. Yeah. And, and, and you know, he, he, he was such, he had such a sweet spirit. He was mm-hmm. so shy, man. Yeah. So real. I mean, he, this, mm-hmm. this whole thing, this kid is from Lubbock, Texas, you guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, he's thrown out in this world. And, but he, it didn't affect him in a negative way. He was sort of just kind of doing it the way I was talking to him so he can mm-hmm. get back to Lubbock, Texas. Yeah. <laughs> like when right. things were more normal to him. Yeah. Yeah. But that's yeah. what he did. He enjoyed playing his guitar. Mm-hmm. He enjoyed singing and, you know, uh, Buddy was something else, man. They were the first, I would believe, white rock and roll group ever that played the Apollo. Very cool. And we received enough. You know, Peggy Sue, man. I love that song. Mm-hmm. This, I swear. Mm-hmm. I love Buddy song. Holly. Yeah. It's amazing, though. He only had, he didn't have that long of a career, unfortunately, you know, before he passed. No, he was like a shooting star. Shooting yeah. star. And it's ping. And, um, but I was wondering, my, I, oftentimes I wonder, boy, what else could he have done? Because I think Buddy oh, yeah. was beginning to grow. Yeah. And the songs right. he was beginning to go like a lot. I watched the Beatles grow. Yeah. And the first time they started, so when they blew, they just grew. 
you know, when they started, when they did Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Band yeah. album, it was the end of the planet. Because <laughs> it was like all singers, all performers, everybody going, what was that? You yeah, know? Because they went to another, another level. Yeah. yeah, they went to another they, level. They they purposely did that. Were, they took it to another level each time. You know, they, when you could see that. They, going. You know what they were? If you know Liverpoolians, I call them Liverpoolians, like uh -huh. Brooklyn yeah. Pizza yeah. people in America. Yeah, they're unique, and I love mm -hmm. them, and I love being Liverpool because they're just like me. I mean, like uh, yeah. we all fit alike. They're yeah. like they they were always the drudge of England. Like who cares? Yeah. If you didn't like it, you throw it to Liverpool. <laughs> 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 it's like, it's like where all the all, all the merchant ships were coming, just mm -hmm. like Brooklyn. A couple months ago, we talked to a Liverpoolian, if you call him that. Yeah. Joey Mullen. Uh, Joey Mullen, yeah. Joey Mullen from yeah. Badfinger. Yeah. We got cool. the talk. Joey Mullen, yes. Yeah, he was born Yeah, those guys. And they're like, they just, they don't look, they, they know that, hey, I ain't supposed to get out of here. You know, they're taught that this is where you're going to be. They're mm -hmm. in a class system there in England. Yeah. This is where you're ever going to be. Well, here's the thing that they're doing something that the rest of the world's catching on to. They had nothing to lose. Paul yeah. McCartney talks about that all the time. They had nothing mm -hmm. to lose. So what they did, these guys were great musicians, you know. Oh, yeah. They songwriters. Kind of yeah. Great songwriters. Incredible. Yeah, they just, they just, they didn't have any fear. Like, it was like, okay, let's do this. What the heck? And they would do it and be a hit. And yeah. they go, well, shoot, if they, we did it once, I'll just do it again. <laughs> they kept going up and up. And what mm -hmm. they did was they began to grow even as musicians. Because when you hear yesterday, you say, what? <laughs> you hear something by, by George Harrison, you go, what? Yeah, something in the way, yeah. Where did that awesome. come from? Yeah. Awesome. To Sweden. It's a gift awesome. that you were talking about. They're all, they're all gifted. Yes. It's they were guys that didn't, they didn't know, they didn't know. And a lot of, a lot of people I talked with in Liverpool, because I went down to the club where they used to play, me and my son, because mm -hmm. my son is my manager, and we went in there just to see how it was down there. And mm -hmm. it was a little small, little, little, little club. And um and so much history came out of there, man. Um uh Andy Hendricks, all the greats played down in that cellar. Oh, the they cavern club. There. Are you talking about the cavern club? Yeah, that, that one yeah. in Liverpool. Like yeah. you yeah. go downstairs. Yeah. Joey told us all about yeah. it, right? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. And, and all they, all over the wall you see all the history. They they yeah. like put in murals mm -hmm. all over the place. Wow. And pictures and stuff. So a lot of history there, and it's still a working club, by the way. Yeah. Did you ever did you ever meet any of the Beatles like at cross paths? Never. The yeah. only thing that I remember, gentlemen, was that George Harrison was the biggest fan of us. Oh, he loved wow. us. That's cool. Yeah, in fact, he he recommended we open up for them when they first came to uh, to America in New York City. They, they were going to play Shea Stadium, mm -hmm. and they wanted an opening act. And George told the guys, man. Little Anthony Imperials, man, we should have really? them open, wow. open for us. But we were like very snobbish at the time uh -huh. because we were thinking, who are them foreigners to tell us who opens for who? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you should be, be able to have the say. Yeah, we should open it for us. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know open no bugs. What is that? We saw the signs of where the Beatles were coming, the Beatles were coming. We go, what yeah. is a Beatle? If you're from the south, yeah. there's some big beetles heard, down there. Heard the song. You got I'm bigger beetles down so there, fun. like locusts. The locusts <laughs> yeah, are coming. Sure, and, 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 and they, the music. We going. What is that? That song is. Oh, that's so. That's weird. And so we did. We didn't really think a lot of them. So we, yeah. we turned it down. That, you know, this is wow. one of the great moves of Little Anthony and the Imperials. Uh -huh. <laughs> we turned it down. They enjoyed, <laughs> 
they in turn put the chiffons, the chiffons open for them. Uh-huh. Yeah, wow. Now, I was just telling the guys, we looked back, and I told Ernest, it was the last remaining of the original cats. And he said, you know, that's the stupidest thing we ever did. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Imagine if we would have went, it would have given us another kind of a career. Yeah, yeah it would have been different. What about Elvis now? You, you have met Elvis. Elvis was, I had an intimate, an intimate relationship as much as that I knew him. I first met Elvis through uh, Chuck Berry. Okay. Because him and Chuck were friends back mm-hmm. when, back in the day. And we were in tour, and Elvis at that time was pretty big. And this is just before he went in. When did he go into service? In 57 and 58 or something? I can't remember. Yeah, something like that. When he went yeah, in the I army. Know. I can't remember. But yeah. it was just before he went in the army. And he came backstage, and, I, and he had had blue suede shoes was out, and another mm-hmm. one. Uh, he had, I forget, Dale uh, House Rock? No. That's I, right, know, I can't Bob. remember. But it was big. It was, yeah, it was big. And, and, and I met him. I said, oh, how you doing? Man? Dog, he knew baby. everything about it. Maybe yeah, one of them dog. songs. Yeah. And he, he knew he all about us. So that was the beginning of this relationship. And mm-hmm. as it were, life kept putting us, boom, the boom, the boom. We kept hitting either the airport or. Or somewhere. And yeah. then one time, we were working in Vegas, and this is when he, long after he came out of service, mm-hmm. sort of his comeback is like 71, 72, 71, in that time period. He was working at the hotel in that days. It was called the, um, gosh, I can't remember the name, but it's known as the Hilton. And those, well, those, 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 another name I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Mm-hmm. But, but, but we were working the uh, theater, and he was working the main room. Mm-hmm. And we were working the theater with Red Fox. Yeah. It was us and Red Fox and, and, and Bobby Vinton. All what a combination. Bobby what Vinton, a combination. Oh, that's Vegas. That's how Vegas was. Yeah. You know, was yeah, yeah. Well, here, oh, I have, we have something right here. This cracks me up. Does it? I was actually- uh, take a look. Red Fox. Can you get closer? Red Fox, you got it. Yeah, you can take it closer. That's, that's, my, that's, my, that's, my, that's my father on the road. My dear uh, friend. Felipe I love Stone. that. But anyway, yeah. we're working in there. So Red, well, Red and Elvis met years ago. And he was a big fan. So mm-hmm. we did the show. And then somebody came in our dressing room and said, oh, Red said to tell you Elvis is going to be, because he's playing the main room. He was mm-hmm. big, man. They that's really Elvis. cool. Yeah. And he's coming in here to see us. And then so one of the guys said, hey, come and see us. And he's come to see Red Fox. But actually, he was coming to see the whole show. Yeah. Because yeah, you know, mm-hmm. the, the lounge shows in those days, the last show was two in the morning. Wow. So man. his show was over like one. Yeah. And so he came over with his entourage, mm-hmm. uh, DeVito, all those guys. I the know Memphis all those guys. Mafia. The Memphis Mafia. Yeah, 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 you got it. And, and they, they came, they're all sitting there with the girls, of course. And I, so Red says, hey, come on, come on, and I'll introduce the Elvis. I said, well, I met him some time ago. And went to his table, and he said, eh, he called me Anthony. 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 I said, how you doing? Are you how you Anthony? doing? Yeah. Oh, man, the show was this and that, and he was raving. And we sat down there till about 3.30 in the morning, man, just wow. shooting the breeze, <laughs> laughing, telling jokes and stuff. And then he was up, he had a suite. And gentlemen, that suite looked like a, a 4,500 square foot house. That's the suite. <laughs> wow. yeah. Yeah. That's the suite. Well, he'd get and the best. So, right. The best would be for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we came up to his suite, hung out, and he started doing all his karate stuff, telling jokes. And <laughs> that was the beginning of it. He didn't shoot yeah, off a yeah. gun or anything. Our relationship. 
Yeah. No, uh, him and Clarence, <laughs> one of the original Imperials, we all, we, we're Brooklyn kids. We love guns. I'm not a gun mm-hmm. guy. Anyway, Clarence and him used to go out in the desert at night with nothing else because he couldn't go anywhere because he was so big. Yeah. So they would sneak off and they would go to the desert and shoot their guns. <laughs> and who was that? Who, who Elvis, was Elvis and Clarence. Oh, Elvis. Yeah, yeah really Clarence, Clarence and Elvis shooting guns. That's what I met. Yeah, shooting guns, man. And then, uh, uh, and then I met his wife, mm-hmm. Priscilla. And we got to the point where it got that friendship. With, it wasn't like we were in this house all the time or anything, in Memphis or anything. But there was a bond. We don't know what it mm-hmm. was, just friendship. I, like, I was normal yeah. with me, don't with Elvis. I didn't know that. And he one time called and said, listen, Priscilla's coming to New York City. And you guys were at, we were at the Jewel Box Americana Hotel on 57th Street, uh, 6th Avenue. Mm-hmm. And, and he said, they called and says, hey, uh, my wife is coming there. Could you kind of look out for She's coming to see the show, what you guys are doing at mm-hmm. the hotel. And the funniest part about it, she came down, coming to the lobby, and this, our phone rang up in our suite. And it says, uh, the guy says on the other side of the phone, uh, 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 is this little Anthony? I said, whatever. Somebody said, yeah, he's right here. Uh, can I speak to him? And I said, yeah, what's up? Uh, there's a, uh, a Priscilla Presley down here. <laughs> <laughs> Priscilla wants she to talk came. to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I said, it's Priscilla Presley, dude. Of course it's all right for her to come up. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of trust in, we had. And he, he told us, hey, man, just look after Because yeah. he, yeah. knew, he knew us. That's trust. That's, yeah. that's real trust. We took a, took mm-hmm. a shopping on Fifth uh, Madison Avenue, Harold, <laughs> Harold did. Her and her girlfriend. And she was a knockout, man. I mean, I mean she was just a beautiful yeah. woman. Yeah. And hey. so we, we looked after them and nobody. And, and the thing about it, we ended up actually on the news by accident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't, it wasn't me. It was Harold. Our, con- uh-huh. our conductor at the time took her to Central Park. And well, it, the local news stations, ABC, CBS, all of them, was covering a smoke out in Central uh-huh. Park. When they, uh-huh. you know, yeah, man, you know, yeah, yeah, brother, you know, peace and love, brother. Yeah, yeah. The whole thing is Central Park, <laughs> where everybody's, there's so much marijuana in the air that got the mm-hmm. entire city high. I mean, that, <laughs> that's what it was. And you have to look at Oasis for that sort of thing. So they were all, in the park, and so Howard took her to the park. We were so mad at Howard. We said, Why did you take her to the park? Because the camera's going around, boom, it hits mm-hmm. Priscilla Presley. Uh-huh. <laughs> and there's Howard sitting there, and they interview her. And I said, I was going to find about this. Our friendship is done. <laughs> <laughs> did, she want, did she want that or not? Would she want the camera or not? Or was she shy of the camera? Did she no, want the she's, camera? Up, she's Priscilla Presley. When the yeah. news, you know, the media, yeah, yeah, yeah. they saw her. Whoa, mm-hmm. that's Priscilla Presley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's been here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm going, oh, my, it's all over the news. My mother calls me. My mother says, oh, you in the news with Priscilla Presley. Somebody, one of the Imperials on the news. I'm going, oh, no, where? <laughs> Central Park. I go, oh, no. Clarence, <laughs> Clarence had to call that was. He laughed about it. He, hey, he, was, he was, was that, how, how was the safety at that point? You know, uh, was it sa- was it all pretty safe uh, doing that? Or, or, or yeah, was yeah, it- because the, the, the mayor at that time was Mayor Lindsay, mm-hmm. and he was a very liberal kind of guy. 
liberal sort of a politician. Mm-hmm. So in order to appease the people of New York, he made that day a smokeout. It's called the Great New York Smokeout. Yeah. Let anybody yeah. smoke marijuana and they, they can go to Central Park and they block it off and just the people want to come in. Wow. As long as you stay in wow. the park. I had never yeah. heard of that. And that's what yeah. it was. So yeah. that they were covering that. They weren't looking for her. Yeah. They just saw her. She didn't know in the house. I told her, how did you do that? Well, I didn't know there was going to be anything like that. I said, don't you look at the news, you dumb clock. <laughs> so that's the kind of relationship I had with, with Elvis all the way up until until he died. In fact, uh, uh, Esposito, his main dude that went to, was in the army with him in the tank corps, was his main guy. And we did a thing in, in Palm Springs, and oh, God, I don't remember what it was, 95, 96, concert, and, and he came over. He came over to see us. And we sat in the dressing room and laughed and talked about all those days. You know, you could see the, the, in his face that he had that love to him. Those two. I don't know about all the other those guys, because they were like, I don't know who those guys were, but him, mm-hmm. that was like brother, little yeah. brother, big brother, Mm-hmm. They were the army together type thing. Yeah. You had something in common with Elvis. You have the same birthday. Birthday, yeah, yeah. yeah. Me now, and a bunch of other people. My, yeah. my mom, she was born in 1926. She was born on January 8th. January 8th. On Elvis's birthday. Ain't that something? I don't yeah. know if that's bad or good or what. <laughs> she, loved, she loved Elvis. And that's how I, from a young age, I started listening to Elvis. Uh, yeah, so the three, the three of you, yeah, yeah. same birthday, he was, he was January 8th. He was very unique for years. People thought, not years, but for the time then, people thought he was black. Because, you know, yeah. we didn't have what we have today. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry, you got to a podcast and cell phone. Yeah, that didn't exist in those days. Yeah, you just hear him on the radio. You know, you, you basically, if you didn't see him on Dick Clark have... Show or Ed Sullivan Show or something, yeah. Yeah. you didn't really know. You didn't know what they looked like. Yeah. 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 It's sometimes better that way. Hey, uh, we have, to, we have yeah. to pause for a public service announcement. You'll get a kick out. Oh, that's good. Hi, that. This is Little Anthony here with a reminder that cowboying is great in the rodeo arena, but has no place on the highway. The really big man is the one who got that way driving carefully. It's nice having you here. <laughs> Do you remember that? Do you know that? I don't it, even it, remember that, gentlemen. I didn't well, know that. I didn't have to dig too far. So I, uh, I was checking all your stuff out there on Apple Music. Uh, Jim and I stream Apple Music, mm-hmm. and it's the. Uh, it's the little Anthony and the Imperials essentials. So they, they gather it all together, you know, like it would be an album. Yeah, and yeah. and you, that's your playlist. And at the very end, they have uh, they have that. It's uh, it's interesting. That's nice. It's called careful driving. I, so, I never heard that before. No? So that's me, all right. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm picturing all these cars, all yeah, these cars in the fifties yeah, and forties, and no seatbelts. People driving yeah. wild. And uh, no. they said they got we got to have a we have to have a public service announcement about careful driving. Yeah. Who are we going to get to do that? That's so you don't. Yeah. 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 You don't remember yeah. it, huh? Well, you know, we take the, the people that they take it for granted, but it wasn't until 1980 it became mandatory. 79 or something like that. You you would think common sense would tell you if race car drivers wear it, because, why can't yeah. we? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you? You do know you do know what I found out, and I know you guys are probably I don't know for sure, but I would assume there's still people have a trouble with a seatbelt. I don't know. I wonder why. Because I want a seatbelt though. I'm doing 85 and 90 miles an hour. I want a seatbelt. Because most of the time, in the, in the accident, it's not the accident impact of the accident, though that's horrible. It's yeah. when you're thrown. Yeah. You're, you're literally your body is ripped into pieces, literally yeah, just 
Yeah. Rip the car. I always put a seatbelt on. Gravity yeah. takes over. It's over. My so dad why would, would you never, wear your seatbelt? My dad never liked to wear a seatbelt. But when he rode with me, I mean. Yeah, and you anywhere. wonder, you know, it's psychological. I really believe that because deep down inside, I think they knew it was right. But mm-hmm. it's human nature to be rebellious. You tell you, no, you yeah. can't do that. You do it. Yeah. But now you feel naked. If it's a law, put it on, and all of a sudden know? you do it. Yeah. Especially as Americans. We're so free. But we almost. <laughs> we're so free mm-hmm. in our thinking. We, we take for granted. I travel all over this world, gentlemen. And then in Western countries and third world countries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you something, man. I can't wait to get back here. Yeah. <laughs> because with the freedom that we, we have mm-hmm. is unique. Yeah. It is something that I think I've always told people freedom, freedom is not free. The kind of freedom that we have, we take for granted, man. Oh, yeah. Even in England, I don't care what you know, you know, the Western countries, France, there's something about the American spirit. It's different. Yeah. We are like, we got that cowboy pioneer. Don't bother me, man. I know what mm-hmm. I want to do. Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. And what happened was we found that this is what made America uniquely unique than all the other countries in the world outside of Israel. It's just unique. And that's one of the things that I found is that we have this, in us, we just, it's, it, we're so innately taught we're free. And so when somebody wants to take that freedom, and I'll give a little bit of it, it bothers you. Yeah, it, it's, at least it bothers me. We've got a democracy and it's working. And that's, that's, that's being a patriot. Well, here's another protect- thing, Jim. I, I, don't, I don't tell you, I'm a history, I'm, I'm what you call a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm not a history. I don't know what I am. I just love history. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you want to say buff, are, but <laughs> yeah. Buff. yeah. But even a democracy, democracy means one vote, one man. But we don't work like that because, gentlemen, we are a republic because we live. We have fifty different countries in one country. Yeah, mm-hmm. we have a central yeah. government. Then we have all these states. Each the states. one of these states has autonomy. Each one of these states have a government. Each one of these states have a constitution. Each state has different laws. So it's literally when I go to uh, uh, Washington state, and then I end up in, in, in Arizona, it's like two different countries. Yeah. yeah. If you look at it. So we're not really, we're democracy on, on the, we're not one vote, one man. We, we, we have so many people, but we have concentrated people. There's more people that live in California than that lives in Idaho. Mm-hmm. So we have the elect, electoral college. In order to make it fair, other countries is not that way. Because they're as oh, big as we oh, are. No, there's not, and there's not a lot yeah, of experience. So yeah. it's one vote, one man. That's a democracy. And our country is we work under, we, we are a republic. And I like to say that because if anybody goes back to the history, you know, I was once, somebody once said not to know one's history is to be condemned to repeat it. Mm-hmm. And I think that people don't know enough of who they are and where they come from who, because they lose it. And they're easily persuaded that someone comes along and want to change history. No good. History's history. Yeah. Good and bad. Can't change it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So let's talk about um, Smokey Robinson. In, uh, <laughs> My boy. Now you were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Was it, I think it was 2009, wasn't it? Last year, 2009. Yeah. yeah. So tell us your, like, how did you meet Smokey? And I, are you, do you still talk to Smokey? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You do. I haven't talked to him because this pandemic came to kind of mess up everybody. Yeah. You know? And then I was in Disney World with my, with my grandchildren, and I was on one of them water rides, and my phone got all logged. I forgot to uh-huh. put it in the plastic bag. Oh, yeah. wow. Put it in my back pocket. I went. Yeah. His number was in there. Okay? So I 
I got lazy and then finally I, I said, I got to get his number. I got everybody in the business number just about. Yeah. And so I haven't talked to him, I think it was about maybe eight months. Uh, we used to talk at least three, four times a year. Uh-huh. Uh, we both met in 1959 wow. at Gordon and N Records. And, and mm-hmm. Barry Gordy at that time was writing for Brunswick. He wrote mm-hmm. all the Jackie, a couple of Jackie Rubin Wilson's hits. Uh, Barry, Barry, people don't know, Barry Gordy won a heck of a writer. Yeah. He had a lot of great songs he wrote. Well, he founded and, uh, uh, Motown, too, Barry Gordy. Yeah, well, it's, they, yeah. They, I met, like I said, I met him there. They were trying, he was trying to get something going in New York. He couldn't. Okay. And that's when I met Smokey coming in the office, him and Pete, you know, one of the miracles. Mm-hmm. Okay. I met, later on, I met Bobby and all those guys. But, and we came in, so we, he came in the office. He, they really, they just had, they didn't have a record at all. They were trying to get a record deal. I don't know what happened, but it never worked out at the record company I was with. And I've heard that that's when he got, uh, Barry got a little discouraged with it all and decided to go back to him and Smokey. They went back to um, Detroit. Yeah. And I, I guess Smokey or somebody, they, they just got together and kind of financed their own little recording. They, they might have been the first to really do it that way. And so over the years, we would always be in Detroit or something. And then we would talk to Smokey. Or he would come over and see a show. We'd go over and see his show. Or we just started going in and out of people's houses and Bobby mm-hmm. and all those guys and became very intimate. That's why he call, mm-hmm. we call each other brothers. Yeah. Because they're Detroit brothers, right. we call them. And they're New York brothers. Yeah. So we came up the same ranks. We felt all the pain and the sorrows of segregation. We went mm-hmm. through all the, the, the triumphs and the failures and and stuff. And Smokey, yeah. Smokey was the one to try to get me. He introduced me to golf. And if I would have hung with him, yeah, him and Marvin, his guitar player, we used to be doing shows with uh, Murray Decay in New York at the, at the old Brooklyn Fox. And, and, I, and I would, his dressing room was right down from mine. And they, they, they always been in there singing and playing between, you know, just working on stuff. And mm-hmm. I thought that was the most boring thing in the world. If I would have <laughs> used my brain and sat in that room, I could have probably collaborated with, yeah, with them. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? It could have been written by Smokey well, Robinson. Little and Man. what were you? What were you doing in between <laughs> sets? What were you doing in between sets that um, you know? Doing things that I shouldn't writing. be doing. That's what yeah. I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, out at the bar and other it, it, places. It, oh my! I was a uh-huh. bad boy. <laughs> and and um, so Smokey, so we always were to, just always together. We did tours together. We did. Would you live with a guy on a bus for a month or two months? I mean, you get to know mm-hmm. people very, oh, yeah. very yeah. well. And uh, so that's how we are. And in fact, when we were told that we were going to be inducted to the Rock and Hall of Fame, to, he was a conductor of uh, David Letterman. Paul Schaefer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Paul, Paul, I've known Paul for years. And, you know, he's a Canadian dude, and he mm-hmm. made well. And he was the one that called my publicist and said, you know, I got an idea, man. He says... Because he was on the committee, on okay, the Rock and yeah. Roll Hall of Fame committee. And he mm-hmm. says, it's a shame the Lanthan Imperials are not. They should be, man. That, their overall record, I mean, it's unbelievable mm-hmm. the things they've done. We never got a Grammy because the Grammys came out mm-hmm. in 64. Because <laughs> it wasn't invented yet. Just, there you uh, go. No, it wasn't invented yet, you know? Mm-hmm. So we, if it was, we probably got one, you know? It, it, we didn't get that stuff. So they were like based upon that. That's how they were basing on you know, music. What they told us in Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was they looked at our body of work and said, "Oh my goodness, mm-hmm. it's like yeah. it's like a Sutton of the Dodgers, the pitcher. He wasn't like Koufax and done all that wonderful stuff, 
But if you look at his 15 years of pitching, my gosh, yeah. it's like Hank Aaron. I mean, he, he didn't, you know, it took him like 22 years. But when you look yeah. at it, that's how he broke the, that home run record. He was longevity. Yeah. And so they looked at our ent- entire uh, career, and that's how they, they, uh, he, he got us to come on TV. And, mm-hmm. and the next thing I know, we got the call that we were inducted into. Uh, we were on Dave, David Letterman show. Yeah. We did hurt so bad. Yeah. You can Google it if you want to see yeah. it. What do you got there, Jim? You can Google it. I just got this at the it's record good. store. Let me see. For our listeners, we're showing the best of yeah. Little Anthony. But at my local yeah, record they did, store. They did, they they that's some... Yeah, that was, that yeah. was a subset of United Arts, yeah. So uh, that just... was when Teddy, that was, Teddy Rendazzo wrote most of the clubs. Oh, yeah. That's what I noticed. There was one guy that wrote most of them. Yeah, Teddy and Bobby Weinstein. Bobby Weinstein yeah. is, my, is my neighbor yeah. here in Florida. Oh, okay. I just talked to Bobby the other day. Yes, we, <laughs> yeah, we talked so to each cool. other yeah. all. Hurt so, so Bobby bad. and, yeah, Bobby Hart. All of us, yeah. we were New Yorkers. We were like kids yeah. in the street. Teddy was ahead of me. And Teddy would tell me someday we're going to work together, man. We're going to work together. We did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he wrote uh, 95% of, of all okay. those hits we had in the city. Yes. You know, there's one song on here I, I've never heard called Take Me Back. I love that yes, song. Yes, Take Me Back. You Google it. One is, it was great. top 20. It was a top 20 yeah. song. I think yeah. it was 15, yeah. actually. Uh, they, they were, their parents weren't on that uh, okay. because uh, we couldn't find Clarence. He was partying somewhere. Last minute, yeah. Teddy wanted to go in the studio. So we couldn't find a couple of the guys. So he says, you coming in, we'll just... So Teddy just wrote parts for professional singers. And, and that, that was the first time I did an album by myself. I mean, did okay. that song. Song, yeah. Me back. Well, but it turned but out well, yeah. yeah. Yes, it was a hit. Yeah, it was. Yeah. We sold uh, quite a few records, I think close to a million. So when you're, to- when you're touring before COVID, how many shows were you doing a year? I stopped right. counting. Okay. I tell people they want to know, just call, you know, the yeah, okay. BMI. So it's a lot. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. They so it's a lot. But when you get, you know, I just turned 80 years old, gentlemen. Yeah. And wow. I don't count anymore. I okay. gave up counting a long time okay. ago. <laughs> I just know I was working along, doing what mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. And the next thing I know, when COVID came, the doors were shut. No one thought it was going to be this long. Not no, no. entertainment. I know. I talked to everybody. Well, yeah. We were on the phones just the other day. I was talking to Sonny Turner, mm-hmm. and we were talking. We said, "Man, we didn't think it was going to be almost a year and a half." But yeah. I'm actually going back, actually officially, to work for the first time since last March mm-hmm. in uh, Mohegan Sun in Connecticut in July. Okay. But they kept moving. They kept moving it, yeah. and moving it, moving. You know why? Remember, I just talking about we're we're a, we're a republic. Each mm-hmm. state has its own rules and laws. Yeah. It yeah. just happened to say we were working. We were much more stringent. Yeah. Then say Florida was or Alabama mm-hmm. was or Georgia was, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. And the pandemic decided so, yeah. to move its own way too. It was stronger in this state and stronger in that state. And you know, so yeah, the yeah, pandemic because, was... because gentlemen, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go there because yeah, yeah, unfortunately yeah. things will take it and can politicize. So like, yeah, that's yeah. all I gotta yeah. say about that. Yeah. Oh yeah. But all we'll I know say. is it's it's leaving. It's leaving us and goodbye. Yes. Goodbye. Yeah. We yeah. will change we will go, we're gonna face other challenges. As long as we're on this earth, we're gonna we're gonna face oh, other yeah. challenges. Yeah. You guys are pretty young, you guys. This is not my first rodeo. It's, my, yeah. it's not my first crisis. We're not that young. I've been through <laughs> a crisis. I cannot tell you. I went through a crisis called the Hong Kong flu, mm-hmm. and the Hong Kong flu killed. It's, it's just about as many people as this thing did. And you know what? There were no masks. There was nothing. No one knew it was bad. We just thought it was like the you know okay, it's too bad. Charlie hit it. Yeah. Well, too bad for Charlie. I'm I'm okay. <laughs> 
I got the flu, but I'm okay. That's how that was. And this went into, this was much more hideous and serious. It became a pandemic, which Hong Kong flu was, but this was more insidious. But what was more insidious about it, gentlemen, was it was politicized. I I wonder sometimes the cure ain't worse than, is worse than the the symptom. Because I, I don't have a death wish. I do everything I'm supposed to do. Yeah, wear the do, mask, yeah. do this. I wear my mask every walk out of his house. Right. I do all those things. But here in Florida, we just have to, we're in a position where we have a little more, I don't know, better, but I think leadership. Mm-hmm. So we were long past that point that some other states were in yeah. that are still in. California is rebelling. It's so bad, but so bad that I think the governor's days are short there. But yeah. it's just ridiculous. There's no reason because um, now we have the vaccine, right? Mm-hmm. Now we have another vaccine called the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. It's supposed to be yeah. the bomb. Yeah, it's third, one, third one. Yeah, I got a shot the other. Day. Yeah, I got a shot, but I got to do the second one. Yeah, the twenty. Johnson and Johnson's just one. And but this Johnson Johnson is supposed to be the mm-hmm. bomb. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah when you the put it all shot. together, it's gonna be it's gonna be helping. And this is this is we're finally. Oh my gosh! We're yes. finally oh, we're finally oh, peaking yes. that it's it's gonna be on its way out. And yeah, yeah. We're yeah. really looking we, forward. I don't. I check with other states. Mm-hmm. If you go and you Google, you can see where they, they really have charts to tell you what's yeah. who's mm-hmm. who. And at one point it was spiking, spiking, and now it's kind of leveled off. In some cases, yeah. you can see it, the chart is going down and down. And, it, and so that's good news, man. And that's yeah, so happy. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't know about you guys, but I'm happy. Oh, yeah. Go yeah, work. We're, <laughs> yeah, we're really looking forward to seeing live music. Oh, we, we're, we're missing, oh, missing the live God. music. Love my wife said, yeah. I remember if you think, will you remember the words, hon? <laughs> I said, I don't know. (laughs) When you tour, are there any other original members of the Imperials? Oh, no, no. Gentlemen, you're talking about 65 years. I mean, people. Yeah, I was just wondering. And and plus the Imperials, it's a brand. It's like the Temptations is a brand. There's no original Temptations except for Otis. Same with us. There's no original group nowhere. Either they're not the original group. Or they don't exist anymore, or they passed on, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if you see other groups calling themselves the Drifters and this and that, if yeah. it doesn't say Charlie Thomas, this it's just not offs. Mm-hmm. Right, that's right. all it is. Yeah. And um, but um, no, we we've had so many Imperials. I can actually show you that picture you had in that album. Yeah. Uh, I've had fans are really into it. They sent me different pictures of we had so many different <laughs> Imperials. That's the original guys. That's Ernest. That's uh, at least I can't point. Uh, that's Clarence, yeah. myself, Sammy Strain, went with the OJs for many years, mm-hmm. and Ernest Wright. Ernest Wright is the mm-hmm. one that's there. Clarence uh, retired. Sammy retired. So mm-hmm. Ernest is the, is the only one left. But on other albums, you see Kenny Seymour, you see Howard Jenkins, you see yeah. Nathaniel Rogers, you see Tracy Lord. There's so many Imperials. Mm-hmm. People wouldn't know who's yeah. who. I can bring any bunch of black guys that come on stage. They know you, though. As long as it it sounds that way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We've uh, we've done a lot of different interviews. But they cut me out of the herd. Like me and Smokey talked about it. They cut us out of the herd. We've done a lot of different interviews, and we've gone from, uh, you know, from a, a young local musician to a lot of uh, national acts and stuff. But no one has the longevity that you have, Anthony. This is, you know, this is sixty-five years of a professional work. I mean, yeah. Chuck Negron. Yeah, yeah. We interviewed Chuck Negron. Yeah, but so how many he, years is it? Sixty-five? Not quite. He, he was in this. Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett. Yeah. Oh yeah. Tony yeah. Bennett's yeah. had the longest career yeah. for all of us. Yeah. Tony yeah. did. I mean, you know, he's been under the weather lately. But other than that, I mean, man, ninety-four, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. Uh, so it's not a, it's it's it, it's 
it's a blessing, number one. And um, I said to what my daughter says, Dad, you don't act like your age. You don't look like mm-hmm. your age. You don't do anything at your age. Yeah, well, I, mean, I think, I go to I think the, that's true as well. Disney World. <laughs> I know Disney World. I'm on roller coasters. Now, the doctors <laughs> really? will tell you, hold on, man. You can get a heart attack. You ever see the yeah. signs when you go in them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, you have could. <laughs> you won't ride anything if you look at the signs. I just said, well, that may be so, but I don't feel that. I feel fine. Yeah. So well, I enjoy with the kids. What it. happens is all the grandchildren want to go where grandmom and granddaddy is because they, like my grandson Trey said once, he said, you know, my grandparents, they're cool. Yeah. And then they like, whoa. We can't get them out of this house. Why? Because we're doing stuff. We're outdoors with this. We're going fishing. We're doing this. We're going there. We're climbing this with them. And they're like, they don't look at us. So maybe maybe that's part of that longevity. Or keeping active. It's it's a blessing. It is. Yeah, it's really something unique. Um, And I never thought, I keep looking. I, I, I see it and I go, oh, my goodness, dude. You're 80 years old. And then another part of me says, so, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, because inside me is this twenty-five-year-old dude alive yeah. and well. He's, there he is. Yeah, yeah. He with the with the wisdom of an eighty-year-old. <laughs> yeah, he wants to have fun. He wants to enjoy life and look at and help and do things, make people feel better and feel better about himself. Yeah, that's who I am. Mm-hmm. So that, but is that part of that longevity and the blessing good. of God? What good. Yeah. Yeah. And being yeah, happy. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, the people ask me, yeah, they'll ask me, how do you sing like that? Oh my goodness. I'm just talking to a guy the other day, yesterday, of a group from Hawaii uh, called the Islanders. And they want me to do a guest thing for them for Hawaii for their thing yeah. and do a recording with them. And we were talking and he said, man, he said, you know, we were just talking about you in the same key that you was in there. How do you, mm-hmm. how do you, Man, how do you yeah. have that? I said, not me. I was a wild child. So it ain't because I drank milk and went to bed at nine o'clock. No. It's, 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 it's not natural. It's supernatural. Right. And from those days where you weren't drinking milk and going to bed at nine or ten, you know, you, you learn so much and you have the wisdom. I mean, and we're hearing that, you know, we're hearing the wisdom of 80 years to, to go from, from that to all the all the. The inspirational things you were saying, you know, about your faith and, and such, you know, the, the wisdom. Well, There's you wisdom know, there. it's all, it, yeah. It, it's I mean, you might be too humble to accept that compliment, but. <laughs> well, no, nah, you know, I ain't that humble. If you give me some money, I'll take it. I ain't humble. <laughs> but it's like what the Bible says, the beginning of wisdom is, is the awe and, and the awesomeness of your God. It, mm-hmm. Wisdom is not something you can obtain. It comes from your experiences. Now, a lot of people got knowledge, but they don't have no wisdom. Right. And so when you, I guess when you, because there are people my age, I hate to say this, man, they, they like they have an advance from the day they was 22. I mean, it's crazy, but I have run into people like that. They're just as confused as they ever were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So That's it's what I'm saying. Like you're, comes, you're growing, it's automatic. right? It's not yeah. automatic. Yeah, it's not yeah. automatic. That's what I yeah. want to say. Yeah, you're, you're I think purposefully it's desire. I think growing. It's desire. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a desire to want to know. To be curious about everything. Yeah, great. To want to know what yeah. makes that tick and why and where did that come from and all that. Mm-hmm. And in time, you get so much information that you um, that you don't even know when I'm talking, it, it'll come out. Mm-hmm. You know? So, like, I had a lady once tell me, well, 
I don't understand because it says here in this book in 1960, 55, that you did this and did, uh, no, 58, you did this and did that. And I said, <laughs> well, I don't know what the book says, but I was there. <laughs> you know, like, no, I was, uh -huh. you're talking to God, I was there. <laughs> so if you're I tell you something, if I, yeah, if I tell you something, I, I hang on it, that that's what happened. If I, I just told you about Elvis, that happened. Yes. Yeah. I can tell you, I can, you got you got a couple of days, we can keep talking like this. <laughs> all the other people that I know in the business, and people that have experienced, political people, this one, the people of the great ones, the millionaires, the billionaires, the trillionaires, the, the queens, well, we, the kings, all these people. Well, we, we have, from, we I'm, have a, I'm from Brooklyn. <laughs> we, have, we, have a, we have a mutual friend, by the way, you and I. Who be that? Do you know a Who's person that? by the name of John Kennedy? John Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> Right? Ah, uh, yes. John's from Jersey. <laughs> He's a great sound man. A great he, one of the, he was like one of the best in the business. Yeah, he live. He lives five minutes from me. Yeah, and cool. and he I'm does. Big, yeah, because I'm a huge fan of the Smithereens, New Jersey band. And yeah, I've I know the guys. Like, I, yeah. I, I know them very well. This is what's weird. I've gone to like I don't know thirty five, forty shows. But I only met him a couple of years ago. I never ran into him. But I ran into him at the shop right down the street, the shop right I go to. Isn't that weird? After all these yeah, Smithereen yeah. shows. I was wearing a Smithereen shirt. <laughs> and he was sitting in his oh. car. And he goes, the Smithereens suck. You know? and, <laughs> As a joke. And I went okay. over and talked to him. <laughs> That's God. That's God. Yeah. And I, I print for him. I own a print shop. So I print for the Smithereens. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, he told me he's been trying to get you to record with the Smithereens. Unfortunately, you know, the lead singer passed. Well, away. he was doing it for years. I mean, for years he wanted to do something a lot of people do, man. I mean, I'm yeah. hearing a lot of stuff out there. But uh, the business has changed a great deal, as you know. The recording business especially has yeah. just changed. And so those things that we wanted to do, we probably could have done 20 years ago. But mm -hmm. now it's more difficult. Yeah, yeah. It's just like the guy from Hawaii. The um, Islanders, they wanted to do stuff with yeah. me. Uh, the yeah. Society Seven, people from Europe. Uh, what's the name of, uh, oh, what's the, he was from the group Oasis. Yeah, mm -hmm. He was telling me, he says, hey, mate. No Gallagher. He, says, it, he says, boy, wouldn't it be great if we're together <laughs> and, and you do this and then, you know, oh, <laughs> blow it yeah. all out. I tell you, we blow it all out. <laughs> and like I'm going, what, 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 what do you mean, man? <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, you have to want to do that, you know, roll, Anthony. You you have to want to. Road. Yeah. Well, no, it, it, it's really I do it. I have Latin cats call me all the time. They want to do the boogaloo thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I just talked to one of my friends the other day, um, Joe Patan, one of the great uh, guys of the people don't in the salsa era. Mm -hmm. He's been trying to get me together and doing this. He's going to put this band together, and we're yeah. going to do a Latin thing, mm -hmm. okay? Because I came up in that era, and my and I hung with mm -hmm. him. My my daughter's mother is Latin; she's Puerto Rican, so that that's my other people, you know. So yeah. mm -hmm. he, he wanted to do something that would show where, how how much I knew what how that worked. Are there and, any? And so I love to do all those things. But my son called me the other day. He said, "Dad, you can't do everything for everybody." Yeah, yeah, you have to want to do it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and you've got lots of yeah, options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird. Yeah. yeah, you've got. He's looking from a business standpoint. He's looking about it. Well, it'd be it'd be like maybe a conflict of interest, because I just did a thing with George Benson. George just finished okay. the thing we we did a couple of things together, 
He just did it, uh, the guitar thing, a whole guitar thing. We did it going out of my head in jazz for, for Sirius okay. Radio. I was going to ask you if they you will hear it. recorded recently. All the time. Yeah, I got, okay. I got a um, I got a song we just did with uh, produced by uh, Kenny, uh, Kenny Burke. He's been okay. the five stair steps and he and a lot of people and he's we're doing a thing now. And it's, it's really for a documentary. We're doing it for we try to put this together for Netflix. That's a long story. Mm -hmm. but okay. Till we nail it. But there are some people, very heavyweights in Hollywood, love mm -hmm. it. And that, that's where the money's going to come from. They're going to sort of back us. Yeah. So there's a lot going on. While this pandemic was going on, really, in a way, I can't call it a blessing because it's no blessing. Yeah. But, but, but it, it turned out in many ways to work for people like me. Mm -hmm. Because I was able to begin to do experimenting things that I would normally have been yeah, able to do. You got more time. More time. more time than, than yeah. just touring. And yeah. Hard to do yeah, like a kid, like we're able to really do it. We, we had nothing else to do but to do it. Yeah. And so we were able to do a lot of things. So as this thing weans out and it gets going, those things will pop up. But like that's why my son told me, Dad, you, 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 you can't do all these things because it'd be a conflict of interest. And he's yeah. my manager. Yeah, there you and, go. And uh, so he says, I'm really worried about that, Dad. So you can't say, you, I know you, Dad. You just want to do with everybody. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. fine. <laughs> and, but you, yeah, there's a lot going on, believe me, a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're really staying active at, at 80. You know, got to really hand it to you. Before we go, it was great talking to you. Excellent talking, great talking to you. Great talking to you guys, Brady. Great, great meeting you. Are Thank you on you. social media at all? Like Facebook? No, I'm not a – I will comment, but I'm not a commentary. I don't do commentary. Okay. If somebody says somebody – if somebody says something makes sense – and then I'll yeah. about it. I know what you're talking you about. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a uh, website? LittleAnthonyAppeals.org or .com. Okay. We changed it so many times. Okay. Uh, one of those two. Thank you, Anthony. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> your stories are wonderful. You're inspiring. And I think our listeners will be inspired, too, by what keeps you going. And uh, it's just been great yeah. meeting you and talking to you. And well, I'm going to get me some cookies in a minute. That'll keep you going. <laughs> <laughs> Thank All right, you, guys. You Thank take you. care. Have a, have a great rest of the day. Okay. See you later. Bye-bye. Right. Okay. Take me back, I'm begging, please. Take me back, I'm on my knees. For you to scold me, hurt me, hold me, darling. Take me back when you belong to me. I have a jealous mind. Too late, I learned that you were not the cheating kind. Take me back. Today's interview was recorded on Zoom and at Did You Say Seven Studios in Washington, New Jersey. Go to the YouTube channel for exclusive video content. Exit music by the band 99%. Today's show was produced and edited by Jim Thatcher. You can find Jim and Mike Talk Music on Apple Music, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The songs hurt so bad, and take me back. Use the permission from Little Anthony.